This is the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast brought to you by Art Wiederman, CPA with Ide Bailey. Whether it's taxes and investing or planning wisely, Art is the expert to make your dental practice profitable. At Ide Bailey, what inspires you inspires us. We provide a suite of accounting and advisory services dedicated to the total care of your practice. Visit our website to access our tools and resources tailored for dentists, idebailey.com slash dentist. That's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com slash dentist. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Art Wiederman, CPA, and Ide Bailey, LLP are not rendering legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information or opinions shared. If you have questions and or feedback, make sure to email Art over at awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com. You can also give Art a call at 657-279-3243. Without further delay, here's your host, Dental CPA, Art Wiederman. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman, CPA. I'm your host. Welcome to my podcast. I'm thrilled to have you with me. Uh, And uh, today we've got a great informative episode. Uh, This is the art of dental finance and management. Today's the finance part. My very, very good friend, Dennis Kushner, um, who is an unbelievable wealth of knowledge when it comes to uh, the U.S., global economies, all the economic indicators, inflation, we're going to kind of give you an idea of where our economy is. We are uh, about 13 months into the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, we have millions and millions of people who have gotten shots. Uh, we hope we're on the other side of this, but we'll get the real story uh, from Dennis here in a moment. But I want to give you some information. Uh, first of all, I want to thank my wonderful partner, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine. We've got some really, really exciting things planned uh, with them for the coming year, which we'll share with you as we go down the road. They have great clinical content and over 140 amazing clinical continuing education courses that are available for one low price. Um, So go onto their website, www.decisionsindentistry.com. Also, if you are not working with a dental CPA, this is as good of a time as any um, to be working with one. We're actually recording this on April 15th, which would normally be a tax day where I would finish up my, what I've done for 30 plus years is we, we kind of finish up, hope the phone doesn't ring, hope clients don't call this morning. And then uh, what we do is we go out for a nice lunch and celebrate the end of taxes, but that's not the way it is this year. Uh, if you haven't uh, been watching, your federal income tax returns are due May 17th, but if you do have an estimated payment, they would have been due by April 15th. Uh, we're going to publish this in late April, so um, uh, when you hear this, you'll have a couple of weeks to get your taxes done. Uh, if you're looking for a dental CPA, our firm is in Tustin, California. My uh, email address is awiederman, W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N, at um, idebailey.com. And the number is 657-279-3243 if you have any questions. Um, Also wanted to let you know our dental series on May 12th is going to be on metrics. Um, Go to www.idebailey.com forward slash dental series. 
and register. It's going to be with the folks from Dental Intel and my good friend, Dr. Jeanette Kern. We're going to be talking about how to find profit holes in your dental practice. Quick update for you again. Uh, we are doing consulting for dozens and dozens of dentists to get you the employee retention tax credit as well as full PPP forgiveness. If you believe that you had a 50% reduction in your gross revenues and you have not filed for your PPP one loan for forgiveness yet, um, I would recommend you consider holding off. Maybe let us do an analysis. We are getting doctors tens of thousands, in some cases, uh, one or $200,000 in refunds with the employee retention credit. You need to have had at least a greater than 50% reduction in your gross revenues in any quarter of 2020, and then you're in the game. So if you have, let me know. Uh, we have an intake form. We can help you with that. Um, so you want to make sure that you take advantage of that. Be sure to check out our new I'd Bailey podcast, Ebb and Flow, a business podcast providing inspired insight on issues and trends the middle market faces. Hear unique business stories, get answers to frequently asked and unasked questions, and understand business topics that matter to you. Available now on your favorite podcast platform. Okay. Well, with that said, let's get to my uh, my guest, my good friend, uh, Dennis Kushner. I met Dennis through a networking group called the Ellermeyer Connect Group, which is an amazing dynamic group of individuals um, uh, in all different walks of, of life, not uh, necessarily dentistry. And Dennis does this amazing report, which basically is the gist of our podcast today, is called the Kushner Report. And um, uh, he is um, aff affiliated with a company called Fordham Road Collaborative. Um, and you can go to their website, uh, FordhamRoad.net forward slash the Kushner Report, which gives you the latest on global, U.S. and regional trends in the economy and finance. Uh, it's published. Uh, it comes out the last Thursday of every month from 8 to 9 a.m. And um, you can access the most recent recording by clicking uh, the video button when you go to that website. Uh, Dennis is a partner uh, of the Fordham Road Collaborative. He's based in San Diego. Dennis has, has had an amazing career. He's led turnarounds as a turnaround consultant and restructuring of small to mid-market companies. He's been a CEO, COO, CFO, uh, probably a CHO. I don't know what that is, but he's probably done that too. Uh, Dennis has hands-on experience in finance, accounting, operations, mergers and acquisitions, and business development have enabled him to make a substantial contribution to both the top line and bottom line performance. His reports are highly sought after by chief executives uh, across the country. Um, and, and I'll tell you, I listened to this report for several years as Dennis was doing it. And, and what you're about to hear is pretty amazing. So, Dennis, you have to be amazing this morning. Good morning and welcome to the Art of Dental Finance and Management. Thank you very much. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here this morning and to uh, address the audience and to help people in the, in the dental care process as well. Well, I, I want to, before we get started on this, uh, I want you first to tell me a little bit about your, your new venture with uh, Fordham Road Collaborative. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, we uh, basically will do a lot of work for, for firms across the country. Uh, we have an establishment on the West Coast. We do some consulting. Uh, we've done some turnaround work and, and uh, a lot of areas where companies, for example, let's assume a company would like to 
do an acquisition? Well, a lot of times the people that want to do the acquisition or the people that want to be acquired really don't have the skills or the knowledge or the experience in terms of what takes place before the transaction can occur. And, and we can enlighten a lot of these people and kind of walk them through the process. We can also take time, for example, if we do an acquisition, uh, we can take it all the way through to do the full integration of the acquisition, which most people don't. They just say the deal is done, they walk away, and the companies, both the acquiring company and the company being acquired, have a lot of problems trying to get integrated into the new company. And so we've done a lot of that, that type of work. We've also done work with small startup companies that that are kind of, they don't have the affordability to hire a major consulting firm or, or a firm, accounting firm, et cetera, to get some help with how do we go forward? We're kind of stuck in neutral. Organic growth is kind of quiet. What do we have to do? And we can kind of work with them with our years of experience in management. We can kind of help them and guide them to move, moving in the right direction. I, I, I've seen in my career as a CPA, and I've dealt with businesses other than dental practices, uh, uh, obviously not as much as you have, but um, uh, there's a right way to do this in a wrong way. And obviously having a transition consultant uh, like Dennis is great. So if you guys know of anybody who is doing a a, a, um, a merger, a sale, whatever, Dennis would be a great person. We'll let Dennis give his information out a little bit. Also, Dennis, before we get into our topic, I know that you have always been a staunch um, supporter of the military, in particular the Marines down in, in San Diego where you live. Tell us a little bit about that work because I, I think that's just wonderful, wonderful work sure. that you do. Well, I spent most of my career in Silicon Valley, and when we moved to San Diego, I got involved with the United States Marines here in San Diego, and I sat on the board of directors for the, it's called the MCRD, which is the Marine Corps Recruiting Depot Museum Foundation, which basically is a museum that starts from the beginning of the Marine Corps and taking it all the way up through now in the Middle East, and, and we have a, a huge building where we have a lot of things that talk about the history of the Marine Corps, what we're doing. In addition to that, after that, I'm now a member of what's called the uh, Marine Corps League South Coast Detachment 22, which is based in, in San Clemente. And there's there's we have a lot of folks in the in, in the group that uh, we just had we just lost our last person from World War II uh, last fall, but we've got people in there from Korea, Vietnam, and the current uh, current Middle East uh, organizations as well. And a lot of these are former veterans, men and women, both quickly and. Uh, we have a good time. We do a lot of volunteer work at Camp Pendleton with active Marines and also with their families. We do a lot of volunteer work. Uh, I've been able to participate in some parades. Uh, at least it's great in Dana Point and in San Clemente. And it's kind of exciting being around these people. The Marine Corps is a fraternity, and it, it's great. It, it represents a fraternity and sorority of people that, you know, once you're a Marine, you're always a Marine. And uh, to me, it's it's a proud organization. And, and I try to do whatever I can to assist them uh, with what we try to do in helping people uh, either active in the Marine Corps or, or have just left the Marine Corps. Well, um, as you and I, I both know that people who have left the military, it's, it's, it's a tough life. Some people have had challenges. And thank you for all that you've done for your service to your country and all this kind of stuff. We are, I'm always very, very appreciative of, of hearing that. I always love to hear the great stuff you're doing with the Marines. All right. Well, let's talk about the economy, Dennis. I mean, uh, I heard there was a pandemic going on in the last 13 months. We'll talk about that a little bit. But um, let's start with some key economic indicators. I'm going to let you start. Which one do you what do you want to start with first? Well, let, let me let me talk a little bit about um, what I do. Typically, I look at some significant economic indicators on a monthly basis. So 
First of all, uh, this, this impacts everybody on this call today. For example, if we look at the global GDP uh, for 2021, we're looking at 5.5% growth. And next year, we're looking at 4.2%. So this is very healthy after what we've seen over the last 15 to 18 months and over the last several years. So we're going to see, we believe there'll be substantial growth over the next two or three years going forward. The United States, for example, we're looking at growth this year uh, at 6.4%. It could even be higher than that as we get, you know, get rolling later in the year. And then, of course, next year, we're looking at 5.5%. So two very strong years in the economy going forward. Now, one of the concerns is, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit later, is inflation. So inflation in 2021, right now, it's pegged around 2.4%. Uh, that's, that's for the entire year. So right now, we're seeing a lot of things going up right now, and we'll talk about that as well. But uh, most economists believe that if the barometer has always been around 2%, uh, there's not a problem if we reach 3%, but we start exceeding that. There's some concerns whereby the government may have to take steps with monetary policy to see what we can do in terms of tightening up things. And then, of course, next year, we're looking at 2.3. After going through what we've gone through in the last 15 months, um, unemployment right now is around 6%. We expect it to be around 4.7% by the end of this year and then dropping down to 4.3% in 2022. The real concern we have right now, and I have, is that you look at the price per barrel of oil. Um, if you go back several months ago, it dropped into the teens. There were some concerns. And what happened was that um, most oil-producing countries, including the United States, decided to cut production levels substantially, which they did. And now we've seen, uh, as of a day or so ago, the price per oil at for West Texas Intermediary is running at $60.18. Now, the forecast for the year is generally looking at $57 to 70 cents a barrel. So here's the situation. The economy in the United States is picking up as well as across, across the pond, every place else. The biggest concern we have is that China, Japan, and South Korea have a huge appetite for oil. The demand is going to go. And the concern I have is if we don't see the spigots turned on for production, the price for oil could exceed $70 a barrel. And that would be a problem because then it cuts back on people's discretionary income, which affects everybody, whether you're going to go to the dentist, the doctor, if you want to go to Disneyland, you're going to have less money, so to speak, and you'll have to reallocate that for other things, perhaps food and other things along those lines. So I mean, we're, we're seeing that here in California, Dennis. I mean, you look at the oil, the gas prices are uh, in excess of $4 a gallon, pushing to four and a half, and you're saying they could go higher. Well, let me tell you what's interesting. Uh, you go back year over year. And uh, we've seen gas prices, they've risen over 22.5%. Now, since January, uh, I think gas prices, in, at least in San Diego, are up somewhere over 50 cents a gallon, maybe 60 cents a gallon. And I'm not sure where that's going to stop. But like I said, the real key is hopefully uh, the meetings of the mine will take place where we'll start to see production take place. Now, Iran has indicated that they're going to start producing more oil. And hopefully that we'll see that happen around the world. And, and again... We're only at, we're, I know we're going into April, we're midpoint through April, but I think as we get going and more people are going back to work and there's some more demands taking place, like flying airplanes and everything else, they're going to have to turn on the spigot sooner or later. Do, so do you think, think do, do you think that the advent of electric cars uh, is going to be enough of an effect to have anything to do with oil prices down the road? Yeah, you know, yes, yes, it will be. But, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about the growth sectors. Okay. And one of the things I'm going to talk about is the automobile industry 
and how they're going through what I would call a new industrial revolution type of an environment. I'm going to talk about that during this topic. Okay. Okay. All right. So, so what I wanted to do now is let's take a, just a quick look at the global economy. Um, okay. You know, on a global perspective, which is critical to the United States, over the past few weeks, multiple central banks within the emerging markets have started a process of tightening monetary policy. So policymakers in Brazil, Russia, Turkey, etc., are raising interest rates, while some countries such as South Africa and Mexico are kind of holding on right now to see what's going to happen with their own economies. But Economists really believe that most emerging market central banks will tighten monetary policy despite their respective economies still recovering from the COVID-induced slowdown. So I think there's concerns, and I think a lot of people are are getting prepared to take steps. Now, what's interesting is China, uh, which is a major competitor of ours right now, have just announced and and released a five-year plan uh, for venture capital and and the technology sector. So Basically, China's unveiled its strategic economic vision for the next five years. It's a lengthy plan to redistribute monies within their country. And basically, the direction is to focus on high technology industries related with venture capital backups. So what you're seeing now happening is that at the end of last year, uh, China spent $873 billion raising money in their guidance fund to basically put together investments in startup companies. And so they're, they're calling for R&D being spent at an annual basis of about 7% through 2025. So they're serious about getting involved in technology. So we're going to see that uh, coming down the pond further down the line later this year. So they're gonna, it's going to be a major competitive issue. And I'm going to talk a little bit about what's going on with, with the uh, semiconductor industry and the chips. We're now seeing a real problem in, in the industry right now because Companies such as General Motors and Ford and, and recently Subaru are shutting down factories because they're running out of chips. I for saw new vehicles. that. Yeah, I and saw it's that. going to affect cell phones with Apple. It's going to affect televisions and everything else. They think the problem in this situation is going to go through into beginning into probably into 2022. And I'll talk a little bit about what's going to take place in this area. So um, if you look at what took place in the United States, the good news is uh, the fourth quarter right now, even though it's still not firm, uh, indicators are that basically we, we had 6.3% growth in gross domestic product at the end of the year, somewhere around $325 billion uh, in, in, in spending, which is incredible, which is great, very strong. If you remember the third quarter last year, Art, it was somewhere around 38.3%. So that's good news going into this year. Uh, in addition to that, uh, the administration uh, about a week ago announced that uh, what they want to do basically is have a new physical policy infrastructure proposal. It's being batted around right now. What we're talking about this, the proposal is addressing bridges, roads, water and power, electric vehicles, uh-huh. and uh, manufacturing, uh-huh. airports, public transportation, R&D, et cetera, for projects. And these projects, when they get started, will probably take at least a decade to complete. And the 2.2 trillion may not be enough in this particular area. You got to remember the country has been around for a long time, and our infrastructure across this country is in trouble. And yep. we we haven't really spent a lot of money in the last 50 years that we should have spent. And then hopefully we'll see that happening. So here's your question, Art, and that is how do we pay for this? Well, exactly. Here's the issue. Uh, on the table right now is is the thoughts of raising corporate taxes right. from 21 to 28 percent. 
and taxing international U.S. companies that have profits over there. It stands right now they pay 10.5%. They're looking at taking it up to 21%. And there's a lot of money being made offshore. So that'll, that'll be a big source of revenue. And then, of course, we're talking about raising personal income taxes on uh, from 37 to 39.6% for those that have over $400,000 in, in the bracket. And then finally, they're looking at increasing capital gains. And what that rate is, is kind of be kind of be to, to determined later on. But that's kind of what's on the table right now. And that's going to be discussed probably over the next couple of months, two or three months, to try to come up with if they want to do it. So let me ask you this. I mean, this is the always the, you know, raise taxes, spend money, raise taxes, spend money. So theoretically, we're going to put $2 trillion into the economy. Infrastructure creates jobs, creates tax revenues. Uh, you know, you're talking about trickle down and all this. But what does a raise in the corporate tax rate? They're talking 21 to 28. Some people are talking 25. What does a raise in the corporate tax rate do does it keep corporations from spending money and employing people? I mean, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? It depends on what sector you're in. Okay. okay? If you're in high tech or biotech, which is booming, if you're in uh, you know the security area, if you're in retail, you got a problem. If you're in some of these others where nonprofits, it's going to be an impact in terms of get, getting a more fair share of money. But you, it, it's hard to tell. I mean, we've gone through this in the past. But at some point in time, it's it's all about the viability of your business, and it, it and again, it's going to force companies to to rethink and relook at their strategy, look at the the types of products and services that they provide to the consumer, and decide. For example, they may decide to uh, divest themselves of certain business units that they feel are not profitable given this change. So I think they're all sitting around looking at what contingencies will take place. Keep in mind, even though you have a corporate tax rate of twenty one percent. In the past, before it was changed on the prior administration, you have to ask yourself: with all the deductions, how much taxes do these people really pay? Not, not okay. a lot. If you look no. at no, so so we don't really know what that is. So whether it goes up to twenty-eight or thirty-five percent, that's fine. But the barometer is how much do they really pay, and that's hard to that's hard to figure out at this point. In the past, they've said it was a lot lower than that on an average across the board. Correct. Maybe it was twenty-four percent if it was twenty-eight. But, you know, we don't really have the data on that. But clearly, uh, it's going to raise eyebrows in terms of what do we do in investing money for our company, new products, services, technology, et cetera. What about hiring? And you're just going to have to look at this whole thing across the board. So we'll have to wait and see. But I'm sure right now, corporations, finance departments, accounting groups such as yours are all thinking about what is this going to do to my customer, my client or my corporation if these taxes begin to go up? How are we going to deal with it? Well, and they've got, I mean, you know, you've got, you've got a, a six, a six member majority that the Democrats have in the house. It's 50, 50 in the Senate. Everybody says that Mr. Manchin is the tipping point for the Democrats. If he, so goes Mr. Manchin, so goes the Democrats. I mean, that's what I've heard. And and it's just, um, so this is not a slam dunk for the Biden administration to get this through. Well, you know, keep keep in mind uh, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. The real key is that you know we're we're not that far away from a midterm election called November right. of 2022. Right. And if you're a Democrat or Republican, I mean, in the back of your mind, if you want to get reelected, you're going to have to watch what goes on now because we've been through some very very bad times over the last 15 months, and and so you're going to have to really be careful about what you're willing to do and what you'll sacrifice in terms of what decisions you're going to make. And so 
maybe not all the Democrats are going to say we're going to do this. Or if they do, maybe it's a lesser degree. Maybe it's focusing on, on the ones that are really critical. We, we don't know. But I tell you what, it, it's, it's really going to put these people on stage in terms yep. of what the yep. decisions are. What is the financial impact, not only to you and I, Art, but our families, our kids, our grandkids? What is this going to do long term? And this is all going to have, you know, we're printing money, uh, quite a bit of money right now into the economy to keep it going, you know, with the stimulus package and everything else. But at some point in time, we're going to have to deal with the debt. Yeah. And, and that, I'm not that, sure that is, when that's going to happen. Well, and that, and I don't know, are we, uh, I don't know if we're going to talk about debt later in this conversation, but maybe we maybe. are. Okay. So we'll get to that. I think the next thing we we're going to talk about, because there's so much I want to get to, uh, U.S. employment report. That was the next thing yeah. we we're going to talk about. So I don't want to spend a lot of time, but let, let me tell you this. Uh, we were, the economists believe that we're trying to add about 783 jobs per quarter to get started for this year and start ramping up as we go forward. Well, March was an explosion. It was incredible. We saw the increase in payrolls of 916,000 jobs were created in the month of March. In one in un- month. In one month. And unemployment went down from somewhere in the eight to nine percentile, it's down to six percent across the board. And so the real key here is for those of you in the dental business, and that is that healthcare and, and the educational sector saw an increase of 101,000 jobs. But more importantly, we saw leisure and hospitality increase jobs by 280,000. Now, why I bring this up is because those people, most of them are hourly types of people, are having a real hard time not only paying rent, but trying to survive. And the last thing you're going to do is go to the doctor unless it's absolutely necessary or go to a dentist. So hopefully these people will go back to work, start generating income and can go back and spend money for the services that they really need to do in the dental area or in healthcare, et cetera, as, as it was before this took place. So this is a positive move and, and they'll, hopefully they'll have more discretionary income to do this. This well, is and, some and, people that don't have insurance too. Yeah. And and yeah. the thing is, Dennis, is that we've been, we've been talking about the fact that yeah, I've been telling Dennis on this podcast and lectures and webinars that, you know, 15 to 20 percent of the American public is literally not leaving their house to go shopping, not to do anything. And as we hopefully by the summer or fall get to herd immunity, 70, 75 percent, more of these people will leave. More of these people will start spending money. Also, haven't people been saving a lot more? If you're not doing anything, you're saving. Well, you know, here's the thing. Um, we had two we had two planned vacations last year, and obviously they got canceled. Yeah, right. So I didn't spend that money, so I can reallocate that money to something else, or maybe I take the trip next year. So you're right, but a lot of people have cut down a lot of money going out to dinners, going to luncheons, uh, going to concerts, so uh, going to a ball game, taking in other kinds of entertainment. So a lot of money was left on the table, so to speak, at home. And a lot of people right now are doing renovation to their homes. I yep. mean, if you yep. look at Home Depot and you look at Lowe's, their businesses are booming. Because yep. a lot of people are buying stuff on their own. They're, they're doing work to their homes or they're having work done by, by contractors. So the, the whole construction process is booming. You know, <laughs> it's amazing. I know, so I know. I think that's so, positive. So we'll just have to see a redeployment of those funds once the economy gets back on, on, on balance here. Right. And, and okay. dentists, dentists are having a difficult time finding employees, even with everything that you're saying, uh, people still don't want to work in the dental office. Maybe they're looking at changing careers. So it has been a challenge for dentists finding employees. If you ask them, uh, I talk to them every day. 
Um, but the hope would be as we start, everybody gets, uh, you know, vaccines and, sure. and they're, 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 you know, we get to this herd immunity that people start going to work and that, yeah, I mean, what people don't realize, and, and this is something that, that the dental profession and the ADA is, is trying to do is, is to let the public know that the dental office is probably one of the safest places you could walk into of any, any business out there. So it, it's, it's pretty cool. Let's, I, I know inflation and interest rates are things that we started at the beginning and yeah. that is a concern and, and talk about just kind of give our audience for those who don't really understand the interplay of inflation, interest rates, maybe a little inflation 101, how that works and wh- where you see this going. Okay, so first of all, let me let me talk briefly about interest rates right now. So the Federal Reserve, the uh, you know the Open Market Federal Open Market Committee meets periodically, and they talk about you know, the status of the economy, what we see, what we want to do, and basically they're holding rates flat right now to where they've been over the last several months, and it looks like interest rates in general by the Federal Reserve will keep it intact, probably going into sometime in 2022. That's kind of where we are as of today. Yeah. Now keep in mind that the Federal Reserve. Uh, the federal government basically has been uh, purchasing uh, basically 40 and 80, uh, 80 and $40 billion worth of treasury securities and mortgage-backed securities to continue to stimulate the economy. And that's going to continue for the time being. So I think that's what we'll see happening. If you look at mortgage rates for homes and everything, they're starting to inch up a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're seeing that inching up a little bit. So, and, and, and that's probably, you know, where we'll see that going. I think that, um, Interest rates on credit cards, there's, there's talk about seeing that going up a little bit. But in general, uh, I think they're going to be doing this very conservatively, very carefully. So interest rates are kind of out there right now. We'll, we'll see what happens. But um, clearly, they, they've got tools in the box, if you will, to use in the event that all of a sudden we're going to have to raise rates. So we'll see where that goes. Now, the biggest concern we have right now, and we talked about this, Art, was inflation. Right. So uh, in the month of March, the inflation went up. Uh, the highest it's been up in two and a half years. Okay, and that was a bomb. That was a big concern. And so, for example, consumer prices rose in March for the fourth month in a row, and the pace of inflation hit the highest level, as I said, in two and a half years. And this is because the U.S. economy is recovering from a pandemic. Now, as I said earlier in my conversation, the consumer price index went up by six-tenths of a point, but the real key here was the rise in oil prices. So we've seen uh, oil prices going up maybe as high as 9.1% in the month. As we said earlier, on a year-to-year basis, the last number I saw was around 22.5%. And that's significant. And we're going to have to watch that very carefully going forward. You know, keep in mind, uh, there's a demand. You know, we have a lot of demand for goods and services. If you go to um, the shore, you know, where all the ships are coming in with all the containers, you know, for a long period of time, they couldn't unload the containers. And this morning they were talking about the containers before this, uh, we started seeing things turning around. They could take the containers from the docks and line them up one by one going all the way across from California to New York and halfway back. And that, well, that just tell you what all the products are. So inflation is happening when you go out there and people want a product or service and it's not available, well, they're going to raise the price. And well, that's and, what you're seeing happen. And the problem is that the dentists who are stuck in PPO plans, which is another reason to maybe look at ways that we can reduce our dependency on PPOs and insurance. If you're on a PPO plan and you yep. you listen to this podcast and say, wait, well, we got inflation. I've got to raise my prices. If you're contracted with a PPO, you can't. <laughs> in fact, they're going to try and reduce your price. So well, it's, well, let me it, it, yeah, you're right. La- listen, last month we saw 
price increases, in some cases substantial, for rent, automobile insurance, used cars, home furnishings, uh, recreation, and, and personal items are going up. They're going up uh, you know, exponentially. I can't tell you how much, but they're going up. We're seeing that happening across the board. Keep in mind that you know tomatoes and lettuce get to a store, but how do they get there? Well, they're driven by trucks, and all this oil prices continue to go up. It's going to raise the price of food. So everything is going to go up together as long as the price of oil continues to rise. It's a it's a problem. Soon we're going to be getting into where they they have a uh, you know fuel for the summer, and I'm not sure what what's going to happen on that pricing. That's another concern we have. But well, the, re- the real key is to keep our eye on, on the level of production is critical. Right, and and it, I mean think about the travel and and entertainment industry. Once that starts opening again, the cruise industries, some of these cruise companies are starting, I think, in, in July. I mean, yeah. they're going to raise their prices. They've lost billions and bit, hundreds of billions of dollars. Well, people now are beginning to fly. So you're going to see more demand for fuel for the airline industry. I mean, it's up substantially. You're going to see more. You know, as people get vaccinated, they're willing to get on planes and, and go someplace, wherever they want to go. And they're going to be vaccinated. They'll have a card that'll be really like a passport. So you'll see uh, things happen. The, you know, if you, if you look at the, the whole hotel industry within the leisure and hospitality marketplace, the problem you have is this. Because of Zoom and all these types of products, corporations are going to spend more time having meetings with Zoom rather than flying everybody to Texas or to Georgia That's or to D.C. So you're going to see a lot less travel going forward, not only this year, but going forward. So in the, the business sector, you, you can see where companies – uh, can cut a lot of money on travel and entertainment. Maybe once a year you get together someplace, but now what they're going to do is really cut back on everything. It'll be interesting yeah. to see what the convention business, whether it's ever going to come back at all. Like the, I know most of the state dental conventions, the California Dental Convention was canceled for 2020 and 2021. Will there be one in 2022? I don't know. Well, I've talked to a lot of people in the industry and they're planning on on, on conventions next year. I'll give you an example. They have a a Marine Corps program uh, that takes place in San Diego at the convention center. It's a five-day deal. It, it, you know, you get to see new products and services, and it, people come from all over, all over the world, every place to see this. Well, guess what? Because of what's going on at the border, um, people are being housed in, in parts of the convention center. So as far as I'm concerned, we're not going to see anything there for the time being. So there's an example where a lot of people would come to San Diego from other parts of the United States or outside the country they're not going to be doing this right now. You, wow. you look at the security show that they have at the Moscone Center. That is huge. It's the largest security inf- information security trade show in the world. And I don't, I, I don't think they're doing anything until next year. So that stuff will come back. It'll come back slowly. But it's yeah, all it predicated on the industry. People following the rules. So real quick, Dennis, I want if someone wants to get a hold of you, that maybe they have a friend or a relative or they're involved in a company that needs some help or some of the other things that you and your group does, how would be the best way to get a hold of you? Oh, it would be at uh, DT Kushner at uh, FordhamRoad.net, uh, as we showed earlier. We can show that at the end of the program, our email address. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll do I, that. Yeah, yeah. But one thing I wanted to talk about is you mentioned earlier, and and that is, let's talk a little bit about retail sales and the consumer. I mean, yeah, let's do that. This morning, the news came out that for March, retail sales were up 9.8%, which is just a grand slam home run in in the industry. And that was huge. And a lot of this is taking place because of the economy is picking up and the stimulus checks that are going out there. The consumer is going to drive the economy without a doubt. 
And a lot of that about how you feel and what you want to do and you have this money. People are spending the money, which is very good and strong for the economy. I, I think that you're, what you're going to see happen, is, that's going to happen. Without a doubt, it's going to help the economy. Now, if you want to look at that, let's take a look at the healthcare sector you mentioned earlier. Yeah, let's, let's do so, it because that, that's, that's who we're talking to today. Right. So I think what you're going to see happening, uh, and this is going to be for all aspects of healthcare, you're going to see a lot of consolidations taking place this year and next year. For example, hospitals, assisted living, uh, dental practices, and all kinds of programs are going to see consolidation. And the reason I bring this up is companies have to grow by organic growth. So if you can't grow, you have an option. You can either, and we're not going to talk about closing the business. We're going to talk about either you acquire somebody else or you get acquired. Therefore, you know, to strengthen what you're trying to do. And, and like you said, there's a lot of practices that can't find people. Well, they may have to get together with another firm and merge and therefore, you know, build the client base that way. So the cost of, of commercial real estate is, is very expensive. Uh, if your revenues are down, it's just going to it's going to cut back on your profits. And, you know, the concerns are working with people because of the pandemic. But that'll that'll come back that all those people will come back when it happens. Keep in mind, in, in, in the healthcare industry, there's an expansion in the aging population. There are, people are living longer and more people are entering the retirement community every single day in this country. There's going to be a tremendous demand for healthcare services, dental services, where people, as you get older, need to go to the dentist more often. To implants, you know, implants, implants, implants. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's a tremendous marketplace for the demand for the dental, I believe, in the dental area, as well as just in healthcare in general. The, th the thing to keep in mind is this. The impact of technology and processes that have taken place over the last three to five years in the industry in general, it's incredible. And if you want to have a competitive advantage over somebody else, you've got to have the best technology in place to attract people to come to your to your practice to you know to be using because people want to be able to find out exactly what's the root cause of my problem and how you're going to fix it. And yeah, you can and, show and, them the schematics when yeah, you're sitting in the chair. You've got CBCT machines that are becoming a yeah. lot more prevalent in general. I never thought in my wildest dreams. Uh, 10, 20 years ago, you'd see general dentists buying CBCT machines, digital yep. scanners. I, I just had a crown done uh, uh, after a root canal. Um, and and uh, yeah, I, I've been in hundreds of dental offices, Dennis, and I, I actually got to see how the technology works. It is really, really cool technology. Not that I didn't know that before, but it's when you see it on your own tooth and your own mouth and how they can move the picture around. And then the crown making, the, the CAD CAM machines and lasers and I mean, the, the, the technology since I started in dentistry in the 1980s, um, and, and not only in dentistry, but in every industry, has been re re remarkable. I'm looking forward to the next dental show that I get to go to so I can see all the new stuff that they're coming up with. So, Well, you know, and there's also cycle time. For example, you know, go back a few years ago and you need to have a crown replaced. You may have to go back in two or three weeks. Here's a temporary. <laughs> Be careful. Yeah. And come back in three weeks. Well, I, I know my wife had a crown taken care of within within almost in, within the time she was there. They made yeah. something and it was taken care of. So in, what in I'm office, saying is, yeah, in office absolutely. So we're we're seeing more money being spent on technology to help reduce cost, uh, improve cycle time, and be able to treat more people, if you will, in a day than they normally could in the past. Again, I don't run a practice, but it's all about efficiency. It's all about process improvement, and at the same time. Uh, generating more revenue. So you're going to see this going forward. And like I said, if you look at the uh, 
expansion in, in the senior citizen market, it's going to boom. I mean, people are living longer. They're living into the 90s. Some people are living to be 100. So uh, and there's we're really in, towards service. the end of baby boomers. You know, I'm, I'm, we're Absolutely. baby boomers and stuff like that. So yeah. let's talk about some of your other some of your other sectors. We talked about retail, right? Uh, biotech. So let me tell you about biotech. It's called Back to America. In other words, you're seeing (laughs) drug drug development and manufacturing uh, and also in terms of instrumentation. It's moving back to the United States where it should be. And and we need to to be able to control the process more by having things developed in the United States for our people. And, you know, I've spent half of my career in biotech in the Bay Area with companies like Genentech and Gilead Sciences. And, I mean, the things that are going on are incredible. But you're going to see more and more consolidation. You're going to see uh, players like in San Diego, we have a lot of small biotech companies that continue to get acquired because of a specific kind of drug or an instrument that allows a company to expand what they're doing. So I think we're going to see a lot more uh, money being spent in that area and coming through. So that, that, to me, is important. Hey, Dennis, I want to jump in on that one for a second. Is I mean, that, that was shown in March and April and May of last year when uh, the medical and the dental professions were having a horrible time getting hold of PPE. Why? Because we weren't producing enough of it in this country. We had to go find it in other countries and they couldn't get it. So I think that's another reason why we're going to see. Now, if you think about what I said earlier about mergers and acquisitions, here's what you need to keep in mind is interest rates are low. Money is cheap. Yep. So if you want to buy somebody, it's incredible how much money is available out there for companies to buy other firms and get acquired. So you're going to see more deal flow versus yeah. if the interest rates were substantially higher. I see. I sell dental practices and the interest rates for dental practices are still in the low to mid 3%. I mean, that's cheap, right. cheap money. Yeah. So yeah, let's see. We, we oh, talked about the automobile sector. Yeah. yeah. So, let, let, so I call this the new industrial revolution. You've heard Ford, General Motors, uh, Volvo and, and other companies I can't remember right now, they're all going to all electric, uh, you know, by 2025 or 2030. They all want to move into the electric marketplace for cars and move away from fossil fuels, which which is fine. But but here's the, here's the situation. I don't believe we have the infrastructure in place to accommodate the introduction of all these uh, vehicles across the country. For example, they build stations, you know, near the railroad stations right now where you can leave a car and charge it. Or when you go to Sprouts or you go to Vons, you'll see little stations where you can do that. Well, the, the question comes up is you're, you're putting more demand for energy. And where's that going to come from? So, for example, um, people are, you know, with computers and appliances, the demand is going more and more. Now, not everybody has solar. So, for example, I have a neighbor that drives about 250 miles. She's got a charger. I guess it's a Volt Chevrolet. And uh, it, it could be charged for seven or eight hours. So there's tremendous demand on, on that, you know, and this is shift from ga- the price of gas to, to electric. But one of the biggest concerns I have is what are you going to do with all the batteries? Yep. 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 And yep. that's a huge concern. What, what do you do with them? And, you know, if you buy, if you buy a Tesla, I've seen some of those batteries, they're huge. So right. there's an issue about what do we do about disposable batteries? Secondly, let's talk about affordability. Uh, the concern is the, the middle class and the lower economic class how can they afford to buy an electric car? What is it going to take? And if they buy one, how are they going to be able to service it in terms of, you know, charging and et cetera? So those, those are issues that are going to have to be dealt with. A bigger issue is this. Take a look at the weather throughout the United States. Oh, yeah. And that is, what do you do? What do you do with inclement weather in Minneapolis and, and New York and uh, 
Wisconsin and other places like that, when the weather is really bad in the wintertime, what happens to your vehicle? Can, can it be charged? What happens? Look what recently happened with, in, in Texas where they were using windmill technology. You remember everything kind of broke sure, down. So sure. these are issues that they're going to have to deal with going forward. Now, keep in mind that the oil and gas companies around the world are huge. And, you know, Russia's economy is really predicated on, on, on crude oil. And so you look at Russia, China, Korea, North Korea, South Korea, they all have a huge appetite for oil. And I don't think that Chevron and, and Exxon and, and all the other oil companies are, are just going to shut down and walk away. I think no, there's no. going to be a big battle going forward. I think you'll see more, maybe hybrids, if you will. But um, will everybody buy an electric car? I don't know. But uh, who knows? I mean, it, it's going to be a long, long play before that happens. I believe like, California wants to go all green by, I forgot what the date was. That's huge since we have probably the largest population in the country living in California, something just south of 40 million people. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, so, but you know, we talked about, we pretty much, we talked about oil and gas, right? Yeah. And then uh, technology, anything else you want to say on technology? Well, I think the tech sector is, you know, there's just so much going on here. Uh, if you look at cybersecurity, the demand for software and other kinds of products to, to safeguard our assets in this country, whether it's your personal assets and your dental practice, your corporation. I mean, there's going to be tremendous demand for support in that area with technology and everything else daily, hourly, to continue to deal with, with all the things that are going on that we're being faced with. So there's going to be, the technology space is going to continue to grow in yeah, all aspects. I, I, want to make, I want to make a comment about that. First of all, last night, we did our uh, Business of Dentistry webinar series, which I was talking about. Uh, and the subject was cybersecurity. Uh, we had Anders Erickson from Ide Bailey, who's a, an expert. Uh, he was explaining all of the things that dentists have to do uh, to make sure that your IT is up to snuff and everything is protected. Because when the bad guys get a hold of you, folks, uh, it's not pretty. They shut your business down. They ransom you. They are really, really, really smart. And we also talked about fraud and embezzlement. So if you want to see that, um, webinar, uh, go to our website, which is www.idebelly.com. Go to our YouTube channel and the business of dentistry that should probably be up, but it'll definitely be up by the time that this podcast, um, comes out. And it was interesting that I was watching, uh, Dennis, that we were chatting a little bit before the, we came on, uh, that, um, uh, the chairman of the federal reserve, Jerome Powell was asked by Scott Pelley on 60 minutes last week, you know, he's talking about everything that you've said. The economic numbers are really good. You, you've got six, seven percent growth. You've got unemployment coming down six, five, four percent. And they so Scott Pelley asked Jerome Powell, what is the one thing that is going to upend the U.S. economy's uh, recovery? And he said cyber attacks. He said right. if the bad guys get a hold of the financial system. Uh, and the business sector, uh, they can stop payments. They can shut the economy down. So that is, like you were saying, a big, big concern for it. So doctors, if you do not have a good cybersecurity plan, get one. Do it today or tomorrow. Please, please, please. Uh, I've had clients who have been shut down by, and they've been ransomed, and and it's it's not fun. So, um so Dennis, I think one of the last things we're going to be talking about today is the debt. And that is something that I have always, 
I mean, I mean, I think what is it? it we're up to about six trillion dollars. I mean, the the CARES Act was three point two trillion. Uh, sure. The stimulus in December was nine hundred. That's four point one. Uh, the American Recovery Plan Act was one point nine. So that is six trillion. President Biden is proposing the infrastructure bill is another two point two trillion. I mean, you know, <laughs> I remember Dennis that in nineteen eighty one when when uh, President Reagan was elected. And Jimmy Carter left office, interest rates were at 20%, and the national debt was $900 billion. Yep. So from 1776 to 1980, we accumulated $900 billion of debt. So since then, we're now, where is it now? Is it, it's got to be over $25 trillion, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And you know, don't forget, um, you, you know, somebody, one of the senators or congressmen, I can't remember who it was, was talking about, eliminating all the debt for education, which is, which is something like 1.3 or 5 trillion. I mean, every day you hear about something. My, my point is, you know, how much more do you mortgage? Look, the future of the debt structure, here's what I see happening. First of all, you're going to see taxation for corporations. It's just a matter of when and how much. Two, taxation for individuals. When and how much is it going to be gone? Is it $400,000 the right number? Who knows? Um, people, people have to do that. And then, then you've got capital gains. I mean, you, you know, it's, it's amazing. And then what, what the states want to do and, and then the counties and the cities. I mean, it's just it's just unbelievable that everybody's got their hand out because we're between a rock and a hard place. Most cities around the country have gone through the reserves that they've had that they built up over years. And they're really running on empty right now. They're hoping the federal government will give money to the state and the state will give money to the, the respective counties to bail them out. We'll wait and see what happens. But uh, the biggest concern is printing the money. And again, it, it weakens the value of the dollar. You know, how much is the dollar, the value of the dollar today by something, Art, versus five years ago? Oh, yeah. And 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 that's happening. But but it's a math, it's a math problem. So I, I think, Dennis, and you know these numbers better than I do, I think the revenues of our country, I mean, tax revenues and, and, and social security, it's somewhere in the three to well, maybe maybe it's less with what everything that's happened with the pandemic. But in a normal year, three to three and a half trillion dollars. I mean, if you have thirty trillion dollars of debt, every single one percent increase in interest rate on that debt is three hundred billion dollars. It's ten percent of our total revenues. I mean, it's a math problem. So something's going to have to give. They're going to do something. You think they'll do anything with Social Security somewhere down the road? Because that's a you know, a big deal. Let, let me tell you something. Um, to me, most a lot of people in, in white-collar jobs, for example, um, at some point in time, I think it's like maybe May or June. I can't remember what, what, which data would be. They end up, that's the amount of money that they're, they stop taking out of their checks for Social About Security. About May 15th. Okay. So, so my point is this. One thing they could do, is continue that to pay for it all year instead. I mean, there's one example. That's one way to continue m money moving into that by not cutting it off in May and added the remaining seven months for everybody, okay? Number two, um, I think what they have to look at is when can people at certain ages go, because people are living longer, maybe they move the, the time frame from 65 to maybe it's 68. I don't know. Well, they've already they've already done that. I mean, my my full retirement date, I'm sick, I'll be 62 in August. My full retirement date is not 65, it's 66 and nine months. So, you okay. know. But but these are things that they can do easily to, you know, to move that up the scale. 
Because like I said, people are living a lot longer today than they have in the past. But, you know, a lot of people today, a lot of people are in a lot of money. You, uh, the question is, is, what percent of the people are paying into Social Security that are cut off on May the 15th? They don't pay anymore for the year. And if you paid for the entire year, just hypothetically, I've heard this discussion, pay for the entire year, not just cutting it off in May. How much is it? How much money is it? Well, right. That can generate a lot of money. Right. Yeah. Right. Right now, the maximum is right around $140,000 that you pay into Social Security. About 10 years ago, 15 years ago, they made Medicare Unlimited. Uh, I can see them doing, I mean, the, they would raise hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars. It would, sure. you know, and it's not going to tick off voters. See, that's the other thing is that we spend a lot of money on entitlements through our, our budget. And that's one of the reasons they haven't touched Social Security or anything like that, because there's, what, 60 million, 75 million voters that are over the age of 65, especially with the baby boomers getting into that age. So, yep. the, you know, that that's that's one thing. But the debt, the debt really scares me, not as much maybe in your lifetime or my lifetime. But at some point, uh, the folks that are loaning us this money are going to say, I want more. And uh, it, 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 it's going to give. And the only way to do it is they can either cut spending or they can raise taxes. And nobody's willing to cut spending right now because that's not politically correct and stuff. So it's a it's something that's scary. And, um, you know, that's why I tell you, doctors, save money, save money. Cash is king. Cash is king. Fund your retirement plans, invest in technology and your businesses to make you stand out from everybody else because you want to get to the age of 55 or 60 or 65 and have several million dollars saved so that you don't have to go to work. And if if, if something happens, because this economic stuff that Dennis is talking about, and as you can tell, he's just an absolute freaking genius when it comes to knowing all these different things. I'm supposed to say that because he's talking to me, right? But, um, you know, you've got to be prepared. And if you're getting to the age of 60 and you have $500,000 saved, you're not going to be a happy camper. And my my mission, my my legacy is is to, to beat you guys over the head to save money and to be ready for retirement. That's what you want to do. So, Dennis, my God, there's just so much great, fantastic information. What Anything else you got uh you want to talk about? We've we've covered jobs, we've covered inflation, we covered interest. Um, uh, anything from my my dentist? I mean, I, I think yeah, I'd I'd like to give you some pearls of wisdom. So uh, I've done do. a lot of strategic planning in my, in my corporate life and everything, and I think planning is is critical to the viability of your business. And so, even though you're a dentist or a doctor, whatever you're doing, you may not be a finance person, but you can get services. I really think that you need to take a look at your business. And look at who your competition is and what are you doing? What can you do that provides a better service, if you will, to your clients versus your competition? And yeah. whether you buy somebody or not, I, I think that that's key. It's not only just cutting back on how many toothbrushes you give away. That's not the issue. The issue is, is looking at the competition. Why would somebody select you as, as their dentist versus somebody else? So I think that there needs to be more planning in that area on how do you provide the best competitive advantage and grow your business. And a lot you know, of businesses yeah. grow through referral business. Yeah, yeah. It, it was really funny, Dennis. So I gave a lecture back when we were giving live lectures about two years ago to a, a local dental society. We had about 50 people in the audience. And uh, one of the guys that was uh, I was lecturing with was a, was a dental marketing guy. And one of the people sitting in the front row, I won't forget this for a long time, he stood up and he said, um, he, he, it was actually the, the marketing guy who was saying, listen, 
I just had a big box dental practice chain open up across the street and it's nice and it's new and I can't compete. And I got up and I said, you know what? You have to compete. You have to go out there. You have to different, like Dennis is saying, differentiate yourself, social media, website and service. I mean, if if you want to look at service, look at Google Ritz Carlton. The Ritz Carlton chain is an absolute mega example of of what service is. And Dennis is absolutely right, is you you have to make yourself differentiate yourself. You're not just a dentist. Um, you know, who are you? So that that's a really good point. Hey, you are you know, amazing. Thing I, uh, one last thing I want to interject, if I may, sure. and that's this: you know, you you have an, you have the how how is the business run from the time somebody wants to set up an appointment to checking their insurance and everything else? That is another critical element that frustrates people. Being able to contact the dentist to get an appointment, having things done properly, where they they plan ahead for your next visit and everything else. Uh, a lot a lot of companies just don't do a very good job of of running the day to day affairs of the business. Even if you're a good dentist, if you don't have a strong back office that provides the best service and process to your customers, you're going to lose customers. So that's another thing where I've seen that's a lot a of great point. Place. Great point. I mean, doctors, you need to you need to basically take a step back and say, if I were a patient in my practice, would I walk out of here and say, wow, this was a great experience and I'm going to go home and I'm going to call my neighbor or go knock on his or her door and say, you need to go to this dentist. Think about it for your own practice. If the answer is no, then you need to make changes. If you have that front office person who's been there for 35 years and will not change the way he or she does what they're doing, you need to make a change. We talk about the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So there you go. Uh, Mr. Kushner, you are a wealth a wealth of information. And I thank you very, very much for your wonderful insights. I hope this information, I'm sure it's been helpful to our listeners. Uh, Again, folks, we're in, uh, uh, this is going to come out right around the end of April. So it's very timely and, um, you know, you got to watch the bouncing ball. I mean, if you're going to borrow money, if you're going to expand your business, I mean, people are going to start living their lives. They already have, you go to restaurants here in Southern California, you see they're open. In California, Dennis, they're op- Governor Newsom said they're opening June 15th. The whole state's going to open up, yep. you know, and um, uh, so 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 these are things that are happening. And uh, hopefully we don't have another wave of this virus. But, uh, you know, it, this virus isn't going away. And if we we have enough information to, to control it and the healthcare and the healthcare profession is doing a great job and. In that, but um, you know, invest in your business, invest in your people, invest in continuing education. These are all the things that you, as a dentist, need to do. And again, I mean, interest rates—they could go up, inflation could go up, interest rates could go up. And but right now, I mean, Chairman Powell, just like you said, Dennis, Chairman Powell on 60 Minutes said they're probably not touching the base interest rates at least into 2022. So that's a good thing for people that want to expand their businesses. Dennis Kushner, one more time, how do people get a hold of you? Well, uh, you can go to the Fordham website uh, that he gave you earlier. Our contact information is there. If you want, you can always reach me on my, on my per- personal cell, which is 408 621 uh, Say that one more time. 408. My personal cell is 408 
1-800-227-0930. All right. Dennis Kushner, my good friend, hang on as I sign us off here. What a great job with great information. Thank you so much for uh, what you do to help businesses, what you what you help educate all of us about the economy and, and what you're doing with um, your, your involvement in the military and the Marines. It's, it's just wonderful. Folks, if you want to get a hold of me in my office in Tustin, uh, California, 657-279-3243. If you have a greater than 50% reduction in your gross receipts, probably in the second quarter of 2020, do not file for forgiveness or consider not filing for forgiveness until you get a hold of us. We're doing these analyses. We got these spreadsheets that people from MIT would be proud of. And uh, we, we, we are getting tens and tens of thousands of dollars back from many of our clients. Make sure that you attend our next uh, webinars. We got three coming up. Um, uh, actually, we have, um, actually, those will be before, um, before, before this comes out. So actually, May 12th, Wednesday night is going to be metrics of your dental practice. And then I'm excited in June, we're going to have Gary Takis talking about how to reduce your dependency on insurance. Go to www.idebailey.com forward slash dental series. Uh, one more thing, folks, just want to remind you again, we are now, because of all the stuff I'm doing with the a, uh, the ERTC and the PPP, we are now uh, publishing every other week. So it's uh, every other week you'll see us. And it's still going to be great content. I've got some fantastic guests like Dennis coming up here. Well, that will do it, folks, for this episode of The Art of Dental Finance. Don't forget to go to uh, www.decisionsanddentistry.com and www.adcpa.org if you're looking for a dental CPA. That is it for this edition of The Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman CPA. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for the honor and the privilege of your time. Thank you for all the wonderful comments. Please tell all of your friends about our podcast. Uh, it's, it, I mean, we got thousands of people listening to us yeah, every, single, every single week. Um, and again, this is Art Wiederman for The Art of Dental Finance and Management signing off. Have a wonderful day, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. The Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast is produced by Ide Bailey in partnership with Art Wiederman, CPA, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine, and the Academy of Dental CPAs. For audience questions and feedback, email Art Wiederman, awiederman at idebailey.com. That's a W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com. Or you may call Art at 657-279-3243.